Good morning, everyone. It's time for another edition of Transformation Radio. Oh, God, once again, we come into your presence with expectancy in our hearts. God, we know you're going to bless us. So we lift our hands in the sanctuary and we give you glory and honor and praise.
And today we start the reading of a new book in the New Testament. We start reading the book of Mark. Of course, we begin at chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll stay in the first chapter and go through verse 28. Well, let's uh, have a brief overview of what's going on here in the book of Mark. When you experience the excitement of a big event, you naturally want to tell someone. Telling the story can bring back that original thrill as you relive the experience. While reading Mark's first words, you can sense his excitement. Now, Mark was not one of the twelve disciples of Jesus, but he probably knew Jesus personally. Mark wrote his gospel in the form of a fast-paced story, like a popular novel. The book portrays Jesus as a man who backed up his words with action that constantly proved who he is, the Son of God. Because Mark wrote his gospel for Christians in Rome, where many gods were worshipped, he wanted his readers to know that Jesus is the one true Son of God. Without God's revelation, our finite minds cannot comprehend the infinite. But because of what we know about Jesus thanks to writers like Mark, that we can understand what God is like. Now, Jesus had recently moved to Capernaum from Nazareth. Capernaum was a thriving town with great wealth, as well as great sin and decadence, and this is where Jesus chose to place his headquarters. And now let's read all about it here in the New Testament. February 15th, the New Testament, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 28. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John, and when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan for forty days. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, 
and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Psalm 35, verses 1 through 16. This is one of the imprecatory cursing psalms that call upon God to deal with enemies. These psalms sound extremely harsh. But we got to remember the following. Number one, David could not understand why he was forced to flee from men who were unjustly seeking to kill him. He was God's anointed king over a nation called to annihilate the evil people of the land. Number two, David's call for justice was sincere. It was not a cover for his own personal vengeance. He truly wanted God's perfect ideal for his nation. Number three, David did not say that he would take revenge, but he gave the matter to God. These are merely his suggestions. And number four, these psalms use hyperbole, that is, overstatement. They were meant to motivate others to take a strong stand against sin and evil. Now, cruelty may be far removed from some people's experience, but it's a daily reality to others. God promises to help the persecuted and to bring judgment on unrepentant sinners. When we pray for justice to be done, we're praying as David did. When Christ returns, the wicked will be punished. Psalm 35, verses 1-16, through 16, the Psalm of David. O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight against me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Let me hear you say, I will give you victory. Bring shame and disgrace on those trying to kill me. Turn them back and humiliate those who want to harm me. Blow them away like chaff in the wind, a wind sent by the angel of the Lord. Make their path dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. I did them no wrong but they laid a trap for me. I did them no wrong, but they dug a pit to catch me. So let sudden ruin come upon them. Let them be caught in the trap they set for me. Let them be destroyed in the pit they dug for me. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because He rescues me. With every bone in my body, I will praise Him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good. I am sick with despair. Yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. 
I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad, as though they were my friends or family, as if I were grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I am in trouble. They gleefully join together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They slander me constantly. They mock me and call me names. They snarl at me. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Hoffer. I'm 32 years old. was born in Dayton, but reside in Xenia. Um, this is my second time in the refuge. I had to leave before for disciplinary reasons. Um, went back out um, and, you know, God kind of left me to myself so I could kick my own butt again and remember the reasons why I needed to be here and what I set out to do here when I started, that brought me back. And now since I've been back, I've really dove into the Word. I've knocked down a lot of strongholds that have been built up in my mind and in my heart. And that's all through through God. I made a commitment. I know that I want to keep it. And through the refuge... And Christ Jesus, 
I will be the man that I'm meant to be, what I was called to be, just like we were all called to be. Hello, everybody. This is Dana Harbin, and uh, I'd like to get an affirmation out to Michael Saba. Uh, man, you've been a real good friend to me, and you know it's nice being able to come to you and just tell you what's on my heart, what's going on in my prayer life, and you know my specific affirmation was the other day I had a problem and. Uh, I came to you, and you was honest with me and told me it was a pride issue, and I didn't see it at first, but thanks to you, you know, I was able to recognize it and fix that problem, man, so thank you, brother. I love you. Good morning, man. This is Pastor Greg Delaney, and uh, just looking forward to sharing with you for a few minutes today on Transformation Radio. I pray that you guys have had a good week thus far. And uh, things are progressing well, um, regardless of what phase you're in, that each day is becoming a better day than the last. And each day you're having the opportunity to advance not only your recovery, but your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with the men around you. And so praying that over you today, hoping that that is the case. Um, Wanted to just share with you for the next few minutes um, a passage of scripture from Philippians 4. Uh, the end of this passage is something that you'll be very familiar with, especially if you've been to a meeting that uses this verse as their token or for their coin uh, for sobriety. I'm actually going to share this with you from the Message Bible, and it's actually from Philippians 4, and it's going to begin um, right around oh, verse 10 or so. Actually, really more like verse 11. The message paraphrases things, so sometimes it's hard to see exactly where things start. But from verse 11, Paul says this to us today. He says, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. And this is the important part to today's little talk. It says, I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as much with much as with little. For I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, whether hands full or hands empty, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. And I think you guys would probably remember the last part of that verse is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the typical translation of that. But I like what Paul says a little bit before that verse where he says that he has learned by now to be quite content. And he even calls it the recipe for it. And contentment often is mistaken for happiness. And I've always said that contentment and joy, they're supernatural those things come from God because Paul makes it clear here that his circumstances, whether they're great or they're not so great, can't impact his recipe for contentment, can't steal his joy. And sometimes when we blur the line between contentment and joy and happiness, it's because happiness is really more circumstantial. You know, I could decide that today I really wanted to play golf, and I'm recording this on Wednesday, and I think we've got about five inches of snow on the ground. Um, my circumstances won't allow me to find the happiness of playing golf because there's snow on the ground. But 
that snow and that circumstance can't steal my joy. And so sometimes we have to remember that circumstances and situations will be negative around us, but it's how we respond to them that's the key piece of the puzzle when it comes to our contentment. And one of the things that really is a challenge as we move through, not just the refuge, but as we move through this change and this transformation of the way that we live, you'll start to find that back in the day, you dealt with circumstances and situations differently. You know, whether that was picking up and using or whatever the case might be. Now that you're learning something different, you've changed that old life and you've learned Christ. And in the same way, Paul learned Christ. Paul had come to a place where he knew that through Christ, then circumstances can be whatever circumstances can be. And they don't impact him in a way to take away his contentment. The irony of this is that Paul wrote this particular passage. He came to this particular conclusion uh, when he was in prison. And so if you think about that, and I know some of you that are listening to this today have spent time in jail or prison. Can you imagine coming to a conclusion of finding contentment, you know, in that particular circumstance? And that's why it makes it so clear that, you know, Paul's dealing with something here that's supernatural and it's not circumstantial. So I want to give you just a couple things to jot down. I know that some of you guys listen to this during breakfast, so you may not have a chance to have a pencil or pen handy. But just log this in the back of your mind about contentment. And realize that if Paul could find it in prison and give us one of the most inspirational verses, something that we quote all the time, if he could give that to us from a place of difficult circumstance, then most certainly we can begin to channel and find that same contentment in Christ that he found. Because our circumstances today, you know, I'm assuming, aren't as bad as sitting in a prison back in the day of Paul. So a couple things just to be aware of is that if you see this passage for the way that I see it, it says to me that contentment is attainable. That if I trust God to help me develop contentment in my life, then his peace, that peace that we read about that passes all understanding, they'll help, and that will help me not to be restless in my life. That'll help me to find contentment in my life, find the peace in my life that I'm searching for. And so I don't have to be constantly looking for things to make my circumstances better. I don't have to go chasing after more money or chasing after something else, uh, some other attainment that's important to me in order to find my contentment. I can find it in something that's very attainable to me, and that is my relationship with the Lord. In fact, you know, he freely gives me that access to him. In fact, he says to come to him when I am tired or come to him when I am discontented and that he would provide rest and he provides comfort and he provides the joy in my spirit that I need to overcome those things. So here's the key piece of the puzzle for today. We need to go seek contentment. And how do we go about seeking contentment? Well, God wants us to be content even in our challenges. So how do I go and seek him? 
I seek him by continuing to every day renew my mind. Romans 12 talks about it. You guys see that often in, in different talks that people do or things when you're at churches about renewing the mind. And you guys that have accepted Christ into your heart and into your spirit have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And the Holy Spirit will take on the task of renewing your mind every day. And so when I renew my mind, I kind of go back to the way that Peterson talks about it as well in the Message Bible. He says that I don't become so well-adjusted to the things around me that I allow them to affect me, that I find my contentment in something much higher, something much greater, and that's my relationship with Christ. So just to kind of close this out, there's a great quote from John Maxwell, and John Maxwell's a, a big influence in the life of Tom Thompson. And he says this, he says, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. I just want to encourage you today to remember Paul, to remember Philippians 4 when you're dealing with the circumstances this week, and remember that you can do all things, including be content in all of them. I hope you guys have a great week. I do truly cherish and love all of you. Take care. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. Say it again, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Now come on, clap your hands and shout if you believe it tonight. Come on, everybody.
concludes today's broadcast. I pray that everyone who tuned in today was blessed by what they heard, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.